Galatians chapter 5, and we'll read our text there in just, uh, in just a moment or two. Today I want us to talk about, uh, you know, life in the Spirit again, this series we're in, and we're going to talk about, in particular, the fruit of the Spirit. And the, the li- life in the Spirit, as we have been talking about, is actually the normal Christian life. Uh, frankly, there are a lot of folks who um, are living the abnormal Christian life because they're not living life in the Spirit. But the whole reason that Christ went to to the Father and sent the Spirit back is so that we could have life and have it abundantly. We could really know what it means uh, to walk with Him day by day, to have His power uh, operating in our lives. And so uh, I want to talk with you about another aspect of that as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit. If you're physically able to do so, why don't you stand with me this morning as we read uh, our text, and we're going to kind of we're going to break in. We we have used part of this chapter already in um, some of the messages, and if you haven't heard the other messages in this series, I would encourage you to go back and get those messages because I think they'll be helpful to you. But we're going to pick up with verse 22. He's just in the previous verse. He's just talked about the the manifestation of the flesh. You might say the fruit of the flesh. What happens when we live? Uh, in our own fleshly efforts. And now he says in verse 22, follow along with me, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Father, would you take your word now and would you, along with the Holy Spirit, Uh, take it and minister its truth to us. Father, would you transform our hearts? Would you uh, quicken our minds? And God, would you cause us uh, to hear everything that you desire for us to hear? I pray, God, that it will be more than just words and information, but it will be life-changing truth that brings transformation, spiritual transformation to our hearts and to our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you can be seated. Now, Often we confuse um, what we call external fruits of the Spirit. External fruits of the Spirit are the things that are the, the outward product of the Spirit operating inside of you. For example, serving God is an outward kind of fruit. If you are sharing Christ with friends or colleagues, or that, that's an outward kind of fruit. Your, your uh, behaviors, your morals, your ethics should be an overflow uh, or an outward expression of the Spirit of God that is operating in you. And so those are what we call external fruits. And we often confuse the external fruit uh, or fruits of the Spirit with the internal fruit of the Spirit. Now, in this passage that we just read, Paul's talking about the internal fruit uh, that is uh, that, that uh, characterizes the life of the believer because the Spirit of God lives inside. And, uh, and by the way, everything that happens outward should be the result of this internal fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the work of the Spirit going on inside of me should overflow to that which is going on outside of me. And Jesus talked about that in Luke chapter 6. He said, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure uh, of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is Jesus saying? He's not just that it comes out of our mouth, but what he's saying is what's inside of you eventually is going to come out of you. 
Uh, suppose or imagine if you're a coffee drinker or whatever else it might be, you have a cup full of coffee and somebody comes up and they nudge you, they nudge you by accident. And when they do, well, you spill the coffee. Well, you spill coffee, right? You didn't spill tea. You didn't spill soda. You didn't spill fruit juice or something. Why is that? It's because you didn't have tea or fruit juice or, or, or soda in your cup. You had coffee in your cup. And so if you get bumped, you, you spill a coffee, right? If you had tea in there, you'd have spilt tea or whatever else. The, the, the fact is, whatever is in your cup is what is coming out. And whatever is inside of this cup, when it gets bumped, it's going to manifest. It's going to reveal itself. If we're going to live life in the Spirit then, we have to honestly answer this question. What's in my cup? What's inside of me? Is it love? Is it joy? Is it peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Or if I'm bumped, is it anger, bitterness, anxiety, impatience, mean-spiritedness, ill will, faithlessness, harshness, or some lack of discipline? We can present, by the way, to the world that we're full of one thing when in reality we're really full of another thing. You see, it's easy to fake what's inside of you when nothing is bumping into you or shaking you, isn't it? You can fake it with the world. You can fake it in the church. You can fake it with believers when there's nothing uh, that, that requires you prove what's inside of you. But when you encounter something, the real evidence uh, of what's in you uh, comes out when there's some uh, little temptation or some little irritation or some conflict or inconvenience in your life, then what's inside of you will come out of you. So that's why it's so important that we are to be filled with the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit will characterize our life in the Spirit. And in this message and in this passage, Paul is communicating with us that very idea of what does it look like to have the fruit of the Spirit operating in your life. It is the characteristic of life in the Spirit. And I want to show you three things about it. The first thing I want you to see this morning is the fruit of the Spirit is supernatural in origin. Notice verse 22. He calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but this is something very simple and very profound to understand. The fruit of the Spirit, listen, is not something that you or I manufacture. We don't, we don't uh, create it. We don't uh, uh, produce it. It is supernatural, and it is only through the indwelling Holy Spirit that it can be uh, produced. All right, it's very important because there are a lot of times we think, well, I've got to, I've got to develop these, uh, these uh, spiritual uh, uh, fruits or traits or that sort of thing. A number of years ago, the Associated Press released a study that had been done by an agricultural school in Iowa. And what it reported in that report was that for 100 bushels of corn that came from one acre of land, in addition to the many hours of the farmer's labor, 100 bushels of corn off of one acre of land required this, 4 million pounds of water, 6,800 pounds of oxygen, 5,200 pounds of carbon, 160 pounds of nitrogen, 125 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur, and a, a list of other elements that are too numerous to, to describe. But in addition to these things, by the way, and man can't produce those things, 
rain and sunshine at the right time were critical. That's what they discovered, to produce 100 bushels of corn off of just one acre. But here's what's interesting about that. When it came to the efforts of the farmer or the man producing it, it only required 5% of him to produce that. You see, the truth is he did very little to ensure the production of that corn. Well, if we're honest, we would have to admit, and if we understand Scripture, we would agree that when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, we do virtually nothing. The Spirit does all the work. Do you know what our part in that is? Our part is we provide the soil from which the Spirit produces the crop. We don't produce the crop. We don't even produce what, what produces the crop. We just provide the soil. We present ourselves uh, to Him. Now, I, I'm not saying or suggesting that people that don't know Christ can't uh, express goodness or they can't express kindness or they can't express uh, one of these uh, 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 things like uh, patience. I'm not suggesting they can't do it, but here's what I am saying. And that is that they cannot fully experience or express the fruit of the Spirit the way the Holy Spirit expresses them through us. In other words, if they express patience, it's just a natural kind of thing or kindness. It's a natural kind of thing. But the Spirit in us can fully produce those things. So if you want the fruit of the Spirit to flow naturally in your life, there are three important things you ought to know. Let me give them to you. Three important things. You want the, spirit of, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit flowing naturally in your life. Number one, listen to this. The first and foremost, you must not be afraid of the Spirit. You must not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus has already told us that He is our friend. He is a comforter. He is a helper. He is our instructor. So we don't need to fear His work inside of us. I believe some people have so stereotyped what it means to be filled with the Spirit and subsequently affirmed the, the Spirit publicly, but privately they have feared what the Spirit would do in their lives. In other words, they say, oh yeah, I believe in the Spirit. I believe that we ought to be filled with the Spirit. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. All of those things they affirm and publicly say, yeah, but in, privately they're afraid. But if he gets a hold of me, what might he do? And, and frankly, he might change me. Let me tell you something this morning. If you surrender control of your life to the Holy Spirit, let me, let me go ahead and alleviate something for you. He will change you. He will change you. He is on a mission. Do you know what his mission is? His mission is to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. And so he will change you. But if you really want the power of the Spirit of God and the fruit of, that, uh, of his presence in you to flow naturally through you, patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, you want that flowing through you, guess what? You have to start by saying, I, I'm not going to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He is my friend. God has given him to me. He is a comforter, an encourager, a helper, and all of those things. Here's the second thing. You want the, the fruit of the Spirit operating naturally in you? You must yield control to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I've repeated this precept throughout this series, uh, but without surrendering to the Spirit in your life, you will restrict His work through your life. You know, I told you a couple of weeks ago, it always gets back to surrender. Sooner or later, it gets back to surrender because surrender is about who's in charge. And if the Spirit of God is going to produce His work in your life, you've got to, at some point in time, say, you know what, I'm going to let Him. 
I'm going to yield control of my life. So if you want the fruit of the Spirit to flow naturally in you, you must not be afraid of the Spirit. And then you must yield complete control to the leadership of the Spirit. And then third, you must listen and obey the instructions or the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In fact, this is actually the evidence that you're under the control of the Spirit, is that He can prompt you and He can lead you and you listen to Him and you obey. You become a doer and not just a hearer. Now, here's the fact. The Spirit of God in you will prompt you if you yield control to Him. In fact, think of your life this way. Think of your, the, the center of your life, the soul, really. We, we often use the idea of the heart, you know, but the, it's the idea of the inner man, the spiritual man, the soul. Of, and you think of, of, of your souls having a throne inside. And whatever sits on that throne is what rules your life, right? So if it's, um, if it's you and you're on that throne, you're the ruler. It doesn't mean the Spirit may not reside in you if you're a believer. He resides in you. It's just that He doesn't have control of you, okay? Now, that's, why, uh, uh, that's the way I'm afraid too many Christians are trying to live their life. They're trying to say, I want the Spirit in me, but I'll call the shots, the other way you can think of your, the spiritual man is that, yes, there's a throne there, but on that throne is Christ himself, the Spirit of God. He rules. And so when he leads or prompts or directs, I take and do exactly what he instructs me to do. Let me give you a perfect example of that. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, in fact, let me set it up for you. Paul and Titus and Silas are carrying out the mission work that God has given them. And uh, they believe God wants them to go in a certain direction. So they start heading that way, and suddenly God interrupts them and says, that's not the way I want you to go. So they go another way, and God interrupts them again says, that's not the way I want you to go. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Hello? And twice the Holy Spirit has to interrupt where he's going. This is, he wrote half the New Testament. You, you figure, I think most of us figure he was pretty connected, right? that he, 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 he was able to, you know, to discern. But he, he starts heading one way, and God says no. He starts heading another way, and God says no. Well, there's a reason. This is a beautiful example of what it means to be led by the Spirit, it, of what it means to, for the promptings of the Spirit to act in our life. Listen to what it says in verse 6 of uh, Acts 16. And they, that is Paul, uh, uh, Titus, and uh, Silas, and they went through the region of Phrygia and uh, Galatia, having been forbidden... You get that? By the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And they, the promptings, the instruction, the voice of God, they obviously heard. They were going to Asia, and the Spirit said, nope. And so it says, and, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And while in Troas, it says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Do you see what was going on there? This was, a, this was an ongoing dialogue, really, between Paul and the Spirit. The Spirit said, no, not Asia, no, not Bithynia. And then he says, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to show you where to go. If you want the fruit of the Spirit operating and the Spirit moving you, you're going to have to obey the promptings of the Spirit of God. So when he prompts you, our response is to say, all right, 
uh, whatever you want. Yes, always yes to the Spirit of God. And so that's what Paul did. And because of that, they ended up doing what we now call historically responding to the Macedonian call. A great mission movement occurred because they listened to the promptings of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is supernatural. And it's important to understand it is supernatural. You can't create it. They didn't create it. You can't create it. You can't manufacture it. But, now listen, while the fruit of the Spirit is supernatural... In the Christian, it should be the natural byproduct of being filled with the Spirit. Does that make sense? You want me to say that again? The fruit of the Spirit is supernatural in origin. We don't create it. But within the Christian, the fruit of the Spirit is the natural byproduct of being full of the Spirit. All right? It's the natural body. That's why it's part of the normal Christian life. Okay, that's the first thing I want you to see, that it's supernatural in origin. The second thing I want you to see is found in verse 22 as well. Again, the same statement, the fruit of the Spirit. Now watch this, and I want you to listen very careful to this because uh, this is something that's often overlooked. That is, the fruit of the Spirit is singular by nature. The fruit of the Spirit is singular by nature. Verse 22 points that out to us. And as I said, this is, a, uh, this is a, an idea that is frequently misidentified and overlooked in this passage. Um, the word fruit is singular. It's not plural. It's not fruits of the Spirit. Now, hang on to this. Watch. I'm going to take you somewhere. It's not fruits of the Spirit. And uh, it's not unusual for commentators and preachers and Bible teachers to misrepresent this as the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, uh, as I was reading, I preached this I don't know how many times over the years, but as I, I was restudying the passage, I was reading some new commentators, and several of them used that, uh, that expression, the fruits of the Spirit. It is not appropriate to say the fruits of the Spirit. This is not plural, this is singular. You say, okay, uh, thanks for the language lesson. Well, you'll, you'll get it in a minute. The fact is the Holy Spirit has only one fruit. It's broken down into a list of traits. These are traits of the fruit of the Spirit. Y'all staying with me? The Spirit has only one nature and only one fruit. So what difference does it make? It's a huge difference. If it were plural, these would all be individual fruits that would need to be cultivated. Patience, love, joy, kindness. All that. But be, Now watch this. Because it is singular, it means that when the Spirit lives within a person, all of these traits are already fully there. Because they are traits of the fruit of the Spirit. So when the Spirit comes in, guess what He brings? He brings the fruit. He's not saying, I'm going to bring some fruits, and I've got some of them that I'm working on. They're all perfectly formed in the Spirit. Hello? The fruit of the Spirit, these are the traits of the singular fruit. When you come to Christ, the Spirit comes inside of you, and with him comes the fruit. In other words, the genuine believer does not experience and bear just some of these. 
If the Spirit of God resides in us, all of these are present and available. I've had believers say things like this to me. Well, you know, when you start talking about the fruit of the Spirit, I, I, I'm not good with the patience thing, and I don't, uh, the kindness thing, or the joy thing, or the, uh, you, you know, all of these different, uh, I'm, I'm having to work on some of those. Well, that's the problem. You're trying to work on something that you shouldn't be working on. It's already fully developed in the Spirit. It is not a problem of do, are those, are those traits in the believer. The problem is, are you letting the Spirit of God manifest those traits through you? They're there fully. Uh, you don't have to say, Spirit, uh, I'm a little, you know, that patience thing. I, I'm just not very patient. That's because you choose to live in your flesh instead of by the power of the Spirit. Patience is already there. Joy is already there. Are, are y'all getting this? Listen, this is revolutionary kind of stuff. And that's what the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, singular, he brings them all in. They're fully developed. So if you're struggling with one of the traits of his fruit, it is because you're trying to cultivate it instead of allowing him to manifest it. So the next time you're having a patience problem, and I, I get it, you have a patience problem. That's a big one to talk about, isn't it? Because you know, most people say, yeah, I really have trouble with patience. So the next time you're having a patience problem, recognize this, Lord, all the patience I need is in your spirit. So would you express patience through me? Y'all are in church, so I don't want you to lie, especially to the preacher. Have you ever had somebody that's difficult to love? Now, listen, if you're sitting by a friend or a spouse, y'all just keep looking this way. Don't look at them. No, have you ever had somebody in your life and you just thought, man, when they come around, I just really have trouble loving them. I know I should love them. I, they're a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, or maybe they're not, but I know I'm supposed to love them. God. Anybody, come on, raise your hands. Have you ever had trouble? Yeah, my hand is up. What do you do about that? You just fake it. I'm just going to fake love toward them. I love you. <laughs> you know, what, what do you do about that? Listen, when I discovered this years ago, this is what I found out. That person, and I'm using this example that's hard to love, has to be loved through the Spirit of God, not through your flesh. And I can't tell you, uh, over the years, there have been many times when I have, I have uh, there's been a person in my life, I've thought, Lord, help me love them. And then, Lord, you love them through me because I'm not capable of loving them. Lord, love them through me. Now, you translate that with these traits and you translate it to patience. Lord, my flesh isn't patient, but your spirit has the patience I need. Lord, would you express your patience through me? Y'all getting it? You get it? Isn't that good? I mean, wow. I mean, that's revolutionary kind of stuff right there in terms of how you, how you walk in the power of the Spirit. So you let Him express the, the fruit, singular, with all of these traits through you. You've heard Paul in Philippians chapter 4 when he says, "...and the peace that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds." You ever had that? That's a fruit of the Spirit. 
That's why he says that passes all understanding. Why? Because it's spiritual. It is a spiritual trait of his fruit living inside of you. You've had those experiences. You thought, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, why do I feel at peace when I'm dealing with something, a crisis or some issue, but I have this unusual peace? What is that? That is the peace of the Holy Spirit that you can't explain and people even may say to you, how in the world do you have peace in the midst of what's going on in your life? And you can't, you can't go, oh, well, let me explain to you. There are five reasons that I have peace. You just simply say, you know what? It's God. That's the Spirit in you, see? And the Spirit has all the peace you need. The Spirit has all the kindness you need. The Spirit, When we're not expressing that, it's not because we need to cultivate it. It's because we need to yield to the Spirit. And when we're not expressing it, it's because we're trying to express that in our flesh. We don't cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. It is already cultivated. What we do is we allow the fruit, uh, or we allow the Spirit to rule in us, and He then produces the fruit and the manifestation of its traits. So here's the big idea, okay? Get this. If you don't get anything else about that, get this. You and I do not need to concentrate on cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Oh. <gasps> We don't need to concentrate on cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. So what do we concentrate on? Instead, you and I need to concentrate on complying with the Holy Spirit and let Him manifest His fruit. Does that make sense? So we don't concentrate, I've got to cultivate, man, I've got to cultivate the patient. I've got to cultivate more kindness. I've got to cultivate more love. I've got to cultivate more joy. Oh, no, 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 no. That's bad. Guess who's trying to manufacture it? Remember, it's supernatural. You can't manufacture it. And you don't need to because it's already fully manufactured in the Spirit. What you need to do is relax and resign to His control. And guess what? Then He produces the traits of the fruit of his presence in your life. Okay? Y'all got that? Y'all ready to move on to number three? Number three. So last thing I want you to see. The fruit of the Spirit is self-denying in its manifestation. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, at the heart of spiritual power is self-denial. It's one of the most difficult things for us to do, though. I, I, it is hard. And by the way, that's why we end up trying to manufacture fr fruit is because we have a hard time denying ourselves. And the power of the Spirit is most magnified when you and I learn to deny ourselves. And that's, that's pretty. In fact, Jesus, Jesus understood that. He knows how hard that is for us. You remember what he said in Matthew 6? He said, uh, whoever would come after me, let him... Uh, uh, deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So Jesus knows that's a hard thing. Our flesh doesn't die easy. In fact, have you noticed you can, you can die to yourself and yourself will rise from the dead? And you'll have to crucify it again because it just keeps coming back, doesn't it? Just keeps coming back and coming back and you crucify. And by the way, let me just tell you something. You say, yeah, and I, I just gave up. Don't give up. 
Keep crucifying it. That's an act of choice. That's a decision. God, I'm going to crucify my flesh by surrendering to your Holy Spirit and the Spirit's leadership. But the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit comes by self-denial. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great German theologian, he was executed on Nazi gallows 10 days before the end of World War II, and he, he wrote these words. He says, when Christ calls a man or a person or a woman, whoever you want to put in that blank, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. While in his case, it led to his physical death. He stood against Hitler, but uh, frankly, his point was this. You've got to die to yourself to follow Christ and to experience the life of Christ. And, and crucifying the self is directly connected here to the work of the Spirit. Think about this. Now look at verse 23. What's he describing in verse 23? The fruit of the Spirit, right? Fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22 and 23. Verse 24 then says, you know, those followers of Christ have crucified their flesh. Then we didn't read it, but now look at verse 25. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep step with the Spirit. I've talked to you about that. I'm not going to go into exegeting that verse. But what I want you to see is the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 and verse 23. Verse 25 says if we're going to live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And sandwiched in between those two verses of spirit life is self-denial. Here's what Paul's saying. Self-denial is essential to, to walking in the Spirit, to life in the Spirit, to fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, he talks about above crucifying self and walking in, the, in step with the Spirit, uh, below crucifying self. The Spirit life is tied to self-denial. The, the throne of your life, it can't be occupied by two kings. The throne of your life can't be occupied by you and by God. Even if you have noble intentions, it can't be occupied that way. Jesus doesn't share uh, his throne. Jesus doesn't share uh, his uh, authority. It's either you in control or God in control. And if it is you in control, the work of the fruit of the Spirit is going to be stifled. And the fruit of the, your flesh is going to be highlighted. Paul says, did you notice as he goes on in verse 24 that we must die to our passions and desires? He's talking about those passions and desires that end up controlling. They take the place of the Spirit's control. He said, we've got to die to those things. That's what crucifying the flesh is all about. And if you want to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kind of all those things he talks about in 22 and 23, and the power of the Spirit to operate through you, and you want to be able to walk in step with the Spirit, verse 25, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to decide to, to die to your own uh, passions and your own desires that will tend to take over and rule your life. I have a book in my library by Douglas Southall Freeman called Robert uh, E. Lee, and uh, it's obviously a biography. And toward the end of the war, a woman came to Robert E. Lee, and he was uh, esteemed for his uh, military uh, prowess. And this woman came to him, and she said, Sir, would you bless my baby? And she brought her baby son to Robert E. Lee and said, handed the baby to him and said, would you, would you speak a blessing over him? And Robert E. Lee took the baby he looked at the uh, little boy, 
He handed him back to his mother, and he said to her, instead of the baby, blessing, he said, teach him to deny himself. Teach him to deny himself. You know, our culture today doesn't understand that. And frankly, it's exactly what Jesus and Paul are teaching. But it's the last thing that many want to hear. They, they, we, look, here's what, here's what the devil has done a good job at. Convincing us and the world that to deny yourself is to, is to remove all joy from your life. And Jesus said this, Jesus said, look, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's full and overflowing. The irony is the way up with God is down. It's to humble ourselves. It's to to say like John the Baptist, uh, I don't need to increase, but he needs to increase in my life. Our culture today is controlled by self-focus, not self-denial. Our kids are taught that life is about their success and their happiness. They're taught to believe that they're victims if they don't find success or if life is hard. That's what's taught today. In fact, tragically, many followers of Christ have bought into the idea that God's greatest focus is to make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. And, and God may choose to do that. He certainly can, and he may choose to do that. But that's not God's great focus for your life. Do you know what God's great focus for your life is? Do you know God predestined you for something? He predestined you, Paul writes in Romans, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Every creation on this planet, every human, God's uh, God's. Uh, great desire is that they would be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's his, that's his great desire. That's his focus, that you and I would become more like Jesus Christ. You know how we become more like Jesus Christ? The Spirit of God, who is, is God, operating in us, who is Christ, operating in us, transforming us through the fruit of the Spirit, transforming us into his image. The message God wants us to hear is that fulfillment actually comes in denying self. Why? Because it enables the Spirit to do what God has designed for you and I to experience. The Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not produced from the pursuit of self. It's produced from the pursuit of God. Chasing God instead of the world. Chasing God over our passions. Chasing God beyond gaining the acceptance of others. Some of you will recall that just, uh, I guess, a a couple of years ago, almost a couple of years ago now in our January uh, study, uh, I taught A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God. Uh, It's very impactful for many people, that book was. And in that book, he writes this. Listen, because it's kind of a question that many people have wondered, if not asked outright. Why do some people find God in a way that others do not? I bet you've had that thought before. Why is it that some people really seem to connect with God and others don't? Why is it that God, he writes, manifests his presence to some and lets multitudes of others just struggle along in kind of a half-hearted, half-light, imperfect Christian experience? Why does God do that? He goes on to say, of course, the will of God is the same um, for all of those that belong to him. He has no favorites within his household 
All he has ever done for any of his children, he will do for all of his children. Anything he's ever done, he'll do for all of his children. So what is the difference, he, he asks. So what's the difference? Why is it that some f- seem to find this extraordinary manifest presence of God and others just don't? Why is it? He says, the difference lies not with God. The difference lies with us. The difference is us. Have you ever noticed how a new Christian reacts to being saved? Maybe you think back to when you got saved. I've watched it so many times, and, and uh, it's just a, I love to see people come to Christ. I mean, when they get, they get it, I mean, it's so fun because they are so excited about God. They're so excited about God's Word. They can't wait to learn it. They're so excited about church. They can't wait to go to church. They're so excited about being around other Christians. Uh, they're so excited about God. They want to learn. They want to study. What, what can I do? How can I, I grow? And all of that. It is so fun to see that freshness in them. Why is that? Because I bet if you're not there now, you've been there. You remember the joy of your salvation. A lot of Christians have post-salvation blues. They've They've uh, forgotten the joy of their salvation. They kind of like just kind of gotten over it. But a new Christian, they're so, you know why? First of all, they hadn't had enough of us old Christians around them to kill the enthusiasm of Jesus in them. And they just believe God. They just believe his word. And then, you know, the longer you and I say in it, we have to be convinced. They just accept it. I will never forget a guy led to Christ in, in Florida he started reading his Bible and everything. He wondered, what can I do to obey God? What can I do to obey God? And he came to Malachi chapter 3, you know, the giving chapter in the Bible, Malachi chapter 3 on stewardship and bring you all the tithe into the storehouse and everything. And, uh, and he didn't know that if you've been in the church long enough, you skip those passages. <laughs> and he'd been reading that. And he, he, he came to me, he said, Pastor, he said, he said, I was reading this the other day. He says, bring all the, the, he, he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. I said, what? He said, the tithy. What's that tithy thing? He was talking about tithing, y'all, y'all know. And, but he, he read it and he said, the tithy. I, he said, I want to do that. Where, where do I get a tithy? <laughs> I loved it. He was just saying, if you're supposed to do it, I'm going to do it. But that's the way it is, right? You know what's happening there. You know why that is. You know why you had that kind of enthusiasm until some other Christian settled you down? You know what it was? You had yielded control of your life, whether you realize it or not, to the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you couldn't get enough. And that's why it was so exciting. And that's why you thought, wow, this is the greatest thing. God loves me and God will speak to me. And you were hearing him and he was telling you all kinds of things. You know, if you don't know him today, you need him. But if you know him and you've got over the joy of your salvation, what that really means is that the Spirit of God no longer rules. You're just kind of going through the motions. We sang up here about, you know, sing the song just through the motions. Instead of having that encounter, this isn't an event. You know, being full of the Holy Spirit is not an event. It's not something you say, I did it. Yeah, I did that back years ago. It isn't an event. It is an ongoing process. Do you know self-denial so the power of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit can be manifest in your life? You know what that is? That's an ongoing process. Today, I do it. 
I may have to do it this afternoon. I get up tomorrow. I keep doing it. Lord, I yield today. I, I, God, I, I surrender the throne. God, I keep yielding. I want your spirit. And by the way, you get better at that too because you can recognize pretty quick the more you're in tune with the spirit, you walking in step with the spirit, verse 25, guess what you begin to? You begin to recognize when you are not and that you're going through motions and the fruit of the Spirit is not being manifest. Well, the good news is that if that's where you are, you can have your joy restored through the same thing I've been telling you all along, surrender to Him. If you don't know Him, today you can settle that. You can have access to the Spirit by receiving the Lord Jesus as your Savior. I just want to close by making this statement. I want you to get that you were saved not just to exist and one day get to heaven. I mean, if, if just getting to heaven were the case, think about this. As soon as we got saved, God would go ahead and snuff us out and take us to heaven. If that's what the goal were, was, I just need to get you saved to get you to heaven. As soon as you got saved, boom, he said, come on. But he didn't. And so the goal isn't not just to get saved and just kind of struggle along until one day you enter heaven. The goal is that you are saved so that you can live a life of influence through the power of the Spirit of God operating in you. And you can't manufacture it. All you can do is simply yield control. Would you pray with me? Head bowed, eyes closed. No one's looking about in this place. Maybe those of you who are joining us online or in this live audience would say, I need Christ. I've been religious, but I need Christ, and I want to receive him as my Savior. I want to give you that opportunity because, see, the fruit of the Spirit will never manifest if you have no relationship with the Spirit of God which is given to you in Christ. And you can receive him right now. In your heart, call out to God. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me on the cross. I know that I am a sinner and I need you. And I want the power of God in my life. So I invite you to come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior and Master. And fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Begin the transformation process of my uh, soul and life to become more like that of Jesus. And one day, Father, at the right time, give me a home with you in heaven. Maybe there are some of you uh, here watching by live stream, and you would say, I've done that. I've trusted Christ. But you know what? I, it just occurred to me today that, that I'm trying to do for the Spirit what I can't do for the Spirit. And my intentions are good, but I want the power of the Spirit of God. I don't want to live in fear of the Spirit of God. And so if that's you today and you say, I've lost the joy of my salvation, restore it to me, Father, then would you call out to him in this way? Say, Lord, I do want you to renew me. Father, I want the Spirit of God to rule over me. Lord, I haven't noticed how much I'd taken control. Forgive me. And as the song says, you don't owe me anything. But thank you, Father, that your grace isn't about owing me it's just about loving me. And so right now, God, I return. Fill me up with the Spirit. I renounce and deny myself and ask to be filled with your Holy Spirit.
Lord, I love you and thank you. Grow my love for you, but do your work in me. In Jesus' name, amen.